Government road ministers and road departments have to work out how much they are defenders of their particular mode of transport, their turf, and how much they are players in a wider field. New South Wales has just changed its Minister of Roads from the elderly Duncan Gay, who took every opportunity to enhance car travel, to a younger Melinda Jane Pavey, a member of the National Party and someone who, at least, has been a bicycle rider. What are the positive directions that the new minister should take? Now, Ken Dobbinson's career centred on the New South Wales Road Authority. He rose to the level of director, and since retiring from the department, he is in high demand as a consultant. He joins us on the line now. Ken, you were in the Department of Main Roads when it had to transition from just a focus on building new roads, didn't you? That's correct. It was a a huge change in the organisation when it had to translate from a theme of getting the the farmer out of the mud to one of doing something about a Sydney that was growing into a big city. It was a complete change that was needed because the authority, and remember this all started before there was a planning authority, had to start and plan Sydney because you had to plan Sydney to work out what transport you needed and you had to plan transport before you could work out what roads you needed. It was a huge transition and I think, you know, right now I think we're going through an equivalent one, somewhat similar but equivalent challenges, I think, on governments to uh, get their transport right. That's interesting, isn't it, because perhaps some way there is a carryover of the roads department's leading the way in terms of planning whereas now a lot of other professions and the role of public transport and cycling and active transport walking has come into the game more strongly has that been hard for road authorities to accept the new people in the pl- in the game i don't think it's been hard uh, to accept them What's been the difficult part is, in many instances, they haven't accepted them. (laughs) From an authority that really did the first plan for Sydney transport to an authority that now focuses on roads. In fact, the most frequent term that's used about the road authority in New South Wales is the roads silo. It thinks very little outside itself. And this is a shame because, you know, the more the city grows, the more we need to be looking at transport collectively, not individually into modes, and even more wider than that, we need to be look what sort of city we want and what sort of transport we need to give us that city. I heard a comment from a gentleman from the Road Authority in Victoria, Vic Road, say, yes, it's to everyone's advantage if we have less travel on the road. He wasn't trying to constrict people. He was trying to say that the solution is not just carried in lanes on bitumen. That's absolutely correct. But, uh, and it's probably a good message to give because we have not been giving enough attention to public transport probably over the last 20 years uh, because it's becoming much more dominant but the weakness in these, those sort of statements, and they worry me, is that roads in a city like Sydney will always be the dominant carrier of people and goods. Hmm. Rail has to complement it and carry its share, and we should be working our butts off today 
to make sure that rail carries every single person and every piece of goods that it can to take the pressure off the roads because we just can't build enough roads to serve a city which is growing and heading for by the middle of the century to about 8 million. Well, in fact, the road authority is one of the providers of the biggest element of public transport in terms of buses anyway. I don't mean providing the buses. I mean providing the infrastructure on which it goes. Therefore, the priority on roads, that's had to change as well, hasn't it? Absolutely. And also, of course, here's a big change that's occurring right now, particularly dealing with our centres, like the CBD of Sydney and will occur in Parramatta, and in due course at Macquarie Park, is that buses are having trouble travelling on our roads because of the congestion. And it's not likely to get all that better that we can provide the good service we used to provide with our buses. So this means we need this transition at this point in time to rely much more heavily on rail. And also, of course, it's a good time because the demand on rail is now becoming so high and will continue to be so that you can provide a viable rail service. It'll still be subsidised undoubtedly in New South Wales, Hmm. but nowhere near the amount because we're getting a lot more passengers onto rail and we're going to get even more between now and the middle of the century. Well, that whole land use approach of encouraging trips in the off-peak direction is all part and parcel of that. Now, one of the problems is you've talked about integrating that. I think there was a tendency uh, in New South Wales roads to butt heads with people who had a passion for other modes of transport, and I think particularly bicyclists. Now, in some ways, that's confrontational rather than embracing. Absolutely right. And, and again, you know, bikeways have got their place in this transport mix and we should also be working our butts off to make sure those people who can ride to work and they're in a reasonable distance from their destinations and wherever it is, uh, we optimise that too. Get as many on bicycles. We've got to work our butts off to make sure the only people we have to accommodate on roads are those that can't get to their destination by some other mode Mm. because we're not going to have enough money to build the road infrastructure to carry everybody in the future. It's just not going to be there. The growth of the city is far too great to accommodate uh, the growth of the city purely by road. I think in part... Everyone would say that Los Angeles is obese with freeways, but then again, we don't want to be anorexic, but not necessarily to carry individuals in cars but and, and not to encourage long-distance trips. You, you would argue for, for example, a, a southern bypass of Sydney as, as a, an important part of, not total, but a part of the road system? Yes, and, and it, it needs to, we need to have the ability for car traffic or any any road traffic to come in as close as you can to the city and then but only those that then have a destination in the city to go into the city Mm. you need these bypasses and probably the one that's needed right now uh, and we're not going to have it for quite a few years is the western bypass to complement the the eastern bypass of sydney that was put in with the sydney harbour tunnel we now need the western one to stop that western traffic that is going through the edges of the city to somewhere else 
that it doesn't have to do that. And that will free the city up a little bit more, but not completely, because the ultimate test on the city is how many vehicles can it absorb? And it's probably at that level right now. It can't absorb any more vehicles. And people tend to forget this, hmm. that, you know, you've got a road and it runs here and you find you've got a problem on it, so you widen it, you build it bigger, you build it into a freeway. But somewhere it's going to end, and that's where the problem is. And if you can't handle the end, why are you building it in the first place? I wonder whether governments have explained that well. I heard again the expression that uh, some people in government, and particularly road authorities, tend to have the decide and defend approach. They decide, and then they hold presentations to show the world how good that solution will be. Are we getting that balance of explaining what we're doing and involving people in the process enough? It's not an easy thing to do. No, and, and it's still we still have this tendency towards the silo, and the very good example of that is the wonderful work that the Department of Transport did in planning what we need in Sydney in the way of transport, and, and it highlighted a huge, huge growth in demand from the west to the east, which is pretty logical. And so we ended up with a West Connex. And if you look at the EIS for the West Connex, you'll see it considered alternatives, road alternatives. It didn't consider a rail alternative. And if you're trying to shift vast numbers, surely the first part of that West Connex should have been improved rail capacity between the CBD and the West. Hmm. Then design what you need in roads. And I suspect we might have needed quite less in the West Connex road we're building and probably could have saved quite a lot of money. Here's this narrowness that we've still got and it's, you know, it's, it's 2017 and we should have abandoned this 30 years ago. There was a patronising approach, I think, yeah, from government and it showed in road safety where now I, I think there was a good push you would I think support uh, good engineering things like black spots and fixing up roads as well yet there was also this whole approach which is a bit patronizing of we the adults know that it's all you young people that are going wrong there wasn't an empathetic approach in in road safety to my mind what do you feel on that Yes, there was, and you have the Black Spot program worked very well because it focused on the most significant locations where you were having accident, and it worked well. It's the small road projects have generally got whether they've well, they've always got a safety element. They've always got a movement element in it too. Have huge cost benefits. That the trick for the transport planning people more so than the road people is to get that balance right mm. because you know you could virtually spend the whole road program on black spots and, and local improvements and not be moving forward with the big bigger projects that are going to uh, serve the future for the next 20-30 years getting that balance right is a planning issue it's not a road issue and it's you know it flows from the roads into the rail and the bus and the bikeways and all of those things but, and that's why we needed a transport authority, which New South Wales has, except for roads. It's got this little silo sitting out on the side, which should be brought into the uh, transport body completely, completely, not, not so we liaise. It should be brought in. In fact, 
I question whether we need any transport authorities today. I think we'd probably get better by but with a, a planning, transport planning unit, a transport construction unit, and a whole lot of service units to run the various components. I, don't, I think the day of these separate silos is probably finished. Yeah, it's clearly three things, isn't it? One is planning, one is building, and one is maintaining. Maintain, maintaining and operating. Yes, maintaining and operating. Yes, yes, of course, quite right. That's it. If the tail wags the dog, then you have a, you have a problem. That's right. Hmm. Ken, it's uh, always good to talk to you. I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Good. Thanks, thanks David. Bye. And that's Ken Dobinson, a private consultant and uh, certainly one who is uh, has a long history and a sense of history and a sense of understanding of where we might be in our land use transport planning.